Some time ago, I stumbled on a uh, reading list, and I got uh, some publications from uh, an organization that I really came to like. And so I kept reading these things, and I wasn't on their automatic mailing list, and so I wanted to, you know, them to come all the time. And so I went out online, and I, and I uh, got on their list. And as I was filling out the form to tell them all my information so that they could send me their publication, uh, I came across this drop-down menu of titles, and it wanted me to insert a title. And it went way beyond... Uh, Mr. and Mrs. or Miss or those kind of, or senior or junior or doctor or whatever. It went way past that, and this was the longest list of titles that I had ever seen. There were some titles in there I didn't even know existed. And there were some really cool religious titles like uh, rabbi and cardinal and bishop. And I thought to myself, this is my chance. And so I picked the title that I thought would make me smile every time this publication came to my mailbox, and it did. And so I signed up, and I used this title, and from then on, I got this publication under the name His Eminence Dusty Drake, <laughs> and I was finally somebody, right? His Eminence. Uh, Somewhere along that, the line, I got demoted. Um, I, I moved from his eminence to reverend, and I have no idea how they got that information. They, 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 you know, this is way across the country. I have no idea, and uh, I, I really don't know how I feel about the title reverend, you know, uh, either, but uh, I really enjoyed his eminence, and uh, I guess they, they realized the game that I was playing with them. Okay. We like titles, don't we? Um, we want titles that, that separate us, that make us stand out, that make us seem impressive. We want CEO after our name. We want doctor after our name. We want professor or governor or count or countess or baron or baroness or duke or duchess. Uh, there's actually in... Uh, Scotland, and there was a lady in the second service who actually said, my son did this, and so it's a real thing. You can actually buy a square foot of a castle in, in Scotland, and they will send you a certificate that you are now a landowner of a, of, of a castle in Scotland, and that gives you the credibility and the title of Lord of the Manor or Lady of the Castle. And so you can literally buy a title, $69.99, and the title Lord can be yours officially. Uh, good luck getting anybody to go along with that and call you Lord, uh, but it is available to you. We, we love these titles. We pick titles for ourselves all the time. Jesus uh, got to pick His own title. And there are a lot of things that, a lot of names that we use when it comes to Jesus in, in the New Testament. Uh, we read a lot of different names that, that Jesus is called and He goes by. But when He gets to choose, it's always the same title. And it's, it may be His most important title because it perfectly reveals who Jesus is. And here's the title. The title He uses for Himself most often is Son of Man. 
Let me give you an example or two of that. Here's Mark chapter 8. He said uh, Jesus began to teach, and he tells his, uh, his disciples that the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. In John chapter 1, he is talking to the people around him, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. That's the title he uses. Eighty-five times in the New Testament, we read this title uh, about Jesus, and by far, it is Jesus's favorite title for himself. Now, the thing you need to know about this is that no one else before has ever used this weird title. And to my knowledge, no one since Jesus has used this kind of title. Um, not any, anyone anywhere. And so, uh, in his time also, the people around him don't seem to use this title for him either. It's his own doing uh, so, in his lifetime, he uses this title that nobody else ever used, no one has since used, and no one around him uses. He just uses it for himself. That's important. But Son of Man is this super strange moniker, label, name. It is not intuitive, and so we have to do a little digging to figure out what it means. Now, we're in a series called Revealed, and this is the very last Sunday of it, and one of the things that we're doing is we're looking at Old Testament Scriptures that sometimes are off the beaten path a little bit and using them to, to let us know what Jesus is like. They're revealing Jesus to us. And that's important because when we know who Jesus is, then we know what to do. Just like uh, a couple who has a gender reveal and, and they have they know what the baby's going to be. It's going to be a boy. It's going to be a girl. It's going to be one of each. <laughs> they know how to go home and decorate the nursery. And, and when we understand who Jesus is, we will know how to live. This marks the very last Sunday of a journey that we've been making this whole year through a book called Core 52. And uh, for those of you who have journeyed with us in 2020, can we give you a hand? Yes. Thank you for doing that. Uh, well done. Uh, thank you for humoring me with some applause there. Uh, but we have one more chapter to go. Chapter 17 is just titled, The Son of Man. And the, the Scripture this week uh, is from Daniel chapter 7. By the way, uh, if you didn't make the journey through Core 52 with us, here's your challenge. We still have some copies of this book. Start today. As we are ending, maybe you could begin and you could use 2021 to boost your Bible IQ. It will not be time wasted, and by the end of the book, you will know more about the Bible than you ever have. And so, that's your challenge. But the Son of Man is in the Old Testament, as we go back and we look at this phrase, it's a fairly common phrase. It pops up about 107 times, and 93 of those times the Son of Man is used. It's used in the book, in one book, and the book is Ezekiel. Ezekiel has this vision of God on his throne, 
and he sees God, and God looks like a gleaming metal is how he describes him. He, he, he describes him as, as like fire is coming from the throne. He describes uh, nothing but brilliance all around God's throne. And Ezekiel has this vision, and he immediately falls on his face. And as he does, he hears a voice, and it's the voice of God. The voice of God says this, Son of man, he's speaking to Ezekiel, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And so, God, throughout the book of Ezekiel, uses this title, Son of Man, to address Ezekiel, uh, and it's meant to be a declaration of Ezekiel's status compared to God and His glory. So, compared to the gleaming, brilliant glory of God on His throne, Ezekiel is a bug. Ezekiel is a worm. Ezekiel is frail human flesh. Uh, it's kind of like maybe you've caught the uh, Netflix, Netflix series, Stranger Things, and uh, they're th- this group of kids, and it's kind of a modern-day Goonies, if you remember that movie, and they encounter all kinds of crazy supernatural stuff. And, but one of the things that they call each other uh, when, they're, when they're kind of miffed at each other is mouth breather. Oh, you're nothing but a mouth breather. And that's kind of what God is doing with Ezekiel here. God is reminding him, I'm God and you're not. It's not the worst thing that God could call Ezekiel, but it's not really a flattering thing either. It's certainly not a compliment. And God is reminding him, you're a son of man. You're just temporal. I'm perfect. I'm eternal. You have warts and pimples. You're a son of man. And that's, that's kind of the gist throughout the whole Old Testament of this phrase, son of man. It's what we find in Psalm chapter 8. The psalmist writes, what is man? That you are mindful of him, the son of man, there's the phrase, that you care about him. And so the phrase becomes a title that points out frailness and weakness. It's a title that humbles a person to whom it's given. It's synonymous with humility. And this is the title that Jesus reaches out and grabs for Himself. No one ever has used this kind of title. No one ever has since except for Jesus, and He uses it for Himself. We, we want titles that impress, that make us stand out, that make us feel important, that separate us from other people. Jesus didn't go that route. He went exactly the opposite. Another important thing in in the digging that we're doing about this phrase is that there's one important exception to what we just laid out that the Son of Man usually means, and it's found in the verse of the week, which is Daniel 7, 13, and 14. We, We just read that together, and in that text, the title here isn't used to put somebody in their place and to describe a low human frail flesh but it's actually used in the context of exaltation and glory. Here's the scene. Daniel has a a vision of God, much like Ezekiel, except Daniel's is really strange. There's a twist. Uh, Some parts are the same. God is sitting on His throne. He's high and exalted. His hair is like wool. It's white like wool. His voice is like thunder when He talks from the throne. But The strange thing about this vision for Daniel is that there's somebody next to God. 
That's usually not the case. Usually God is alone on His throne, but there's somebody next to Him, and that's the twist. Daniel says that he saw in the clouds of heaven next to God someone like a son of man. And here's what's even more puzzling. In the next verse, it says that this son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people and all nations and all languages would serve Him, the Son of Man. His dominion, His kingdom will be everlasting. It will never pass away. It will never be destroyed. And that's a mystery. The curious part for Daniel and for Jewish scholars for centuries to come is this. How can Someone who is like a son of man, a human being with warts, because that's what the phrase means, how can that kind of person ever be elevated to the kind of position where he gets to sit next to God? Human flesh, son of man is low. It's just a bug next to the great glorious God. How is it that a son of man can sit next to God himself? Surely that can't be possible. And in fact, that thought, that idea was the prevailing thought in Jesus' day. Jewish teaching was that no human could ever share in God's glory. In fact, to make such an audacious claim like that, that you were anywhere close to the level of God, meant the death penalty. Jewish teachers didn't see any way possible that a mere man could ever be exalted to such a lofty position. But they also saw the text in Daniel that here's a son of man who is. How is this possible? We're not really sure. Who is this son of man? And it's into these kind of discussions that Jesus walks on the earth. And He takes this strange title for Himself. Again, it's not been used by anybody. It's never used by anybody after Him. Nobody around Him seems to use it. It's a title He gives Himself. Jesus is the lone voice calling Himself the Son of Man. And what He's revealing about Himself by the very title that He picks is that He is the Son of Man that is prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. It's a term of lowness and weakness on one hand, but also it's a term of extreme exaltation, sitting at God's right hand and ruling on the other. And Jesus becomes the missing piece in this puzzle that has stumped Jewish scholars for centuries. How can a human being be exalted and sit next to God? And the answer is Christmas. At Christmas time, we use this word, incarnation. And it's, it's a very fancy word. It just means that God became a man. And that's a concept that Jewish scholars never considered. They never knew to consider it because no one would have ever conceived that God would become man. But it's the incarnation. It's the incarnation of Jesus. God becoming a man. That puts all the puzzle pieces together. Only God become man can be a lowly son of man who then is exalted back to God's status. And that's precisely the point of the incarnation. Jesus' mission was to come here and to become low for you and for me. And because of this, God lifted him up and exalted him to rule 
over everything. Last week, we talked about the path of God that He showed us, and here is the path again. And just to refresh your, your memory, the path is that it's the humble, it's the weak, it's the people who put other people first. Those are the people who God lifts up. It's make yourself last and God will make you first. You'll be first in His eyes. The incarnation shows us that path all again. Jesus leaves the glories and the treasures of heaven to make Himself nothing, to make Himself an infant in a manger. And He continued the path of putting us above Himself, before Himself, making Himself nothing as He was nailed to a cross to pay for your sin and for my sin and for that mission being completed. God lifts Him out of the grave and seats Him at His right hand. He came in incarnation, and He rose in resurrection. He came in poverty, and He ascended to a throne. He died on a cross, and now He wears a crown. That's the path. And we can see why Daniel's picture of the Son of Man becomes the perfect title for Jesus to take. Because you and I, we opt for the pull-downs that say His eminence. We want to stand out, right? We want to separate ourselves from everybody else. Jesus intentionally chooses a title that doesn't separate Him from us, but connects Him to us. It brings us close to Him. Son of man is Jesus' attempt to identify with frail humans, but also to recognize at the very same time His rightful place as God. He is the Son of man who will sit at God's right hand. And so, Son of Man is a title of humility. It's a title of one who would go in front of God on behalf of all other men. And during His life, Jesus does things that prove that He was 100% God. But at the very same time, He spends a lopsided amount of time communicating to the people around Him that He is also, although He is 100% God, He is also 100% human. Son of God means, I'm just like you. Jesus taking the title Son of Man means, I'm God, but I'm just like you. Think about what that means if Jesus is just like us. If, what if God has experienced all of the same thoughts and feelings and emotions and joys and pains and laughter and tears that you did this last week? It means this, Son of Man means we have help. If He's experienced all of those things, then no matter your circumstances, there's always hope because you have somebody standing with you who has been in your shoes. Jesus is the one standing with you, arguing on your behalf in front of God. Son of Man means that we are never alone. Even in His nickname for Himself, Jesus communicates that we can approach Him. He made Himself low, coming down to our level so that we are never on our own. And so, no matter where you go, you're never alone. Jesus has identified with us so that we can identify with God. Son of man means we are always understood and we are known. Jesus has a care for you, an empathy for you that is real 
He has empathy for your tears because he shed his own tears. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, a Jesus who never wept could never wipe away my tears. No matter what your pain is, he has entered into it. He has experienced it, and he can help with it. Finally, son of man means that we are loved. This title, uh, son of man, isn't just Jesus being self-deprecating. It's Jesus being intentional. Jesus uses this title because He never wants us to forget who He is. And who He is, is 100% human, just like us. But He didn't come into the world simply to be like us. He came into the world to save us. And to save us, He had to be like us. He had to be human. He had to be a son of man. And what that means is, no matter what your failures are, there is grace for you. Because the Son of Man has come into this world and made a way. That's why He came. He came to save us. He came to be nailed to a cross and bear the penalty of sin. And now He wears the scars on His hands that prove that He paid for your sin and for mine. The last interesting thing about this title, Son of Man, is that it never goes away. At the end of time, we see that Jesus still has this title, Son of Man. Uh, Stephen is being stoned in Acts chapter 7. And at the very end of his life, as he's taking his last breath for following Jesus, people are stoning him. He looks up and he says, I see the heavens opened. And the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. Jesus still has this title, even in heaven. John chapter 1, or Revelation chapter 1, John is having a vision of God. It's a vision much like Ezekiel's, much like Daniel's, uh, much the same descriptions. God has uh, hair that is white like wool, and His voice is like the roar of waters. His eyes are like flames of fire. It's the same kind of description. But John, the apostle, knows who this is. He knows who God is. It's Jesus. He says, it's one like a son of man. He knew what title Jesus used for himself, and he knew that he was looking at Jesus. Jesus is the incarnation of Yahweh himself at the end of all time. And what that means is that he has the son of man title forever, and what that means is that he'll be a human being forever. He'll never go back to being fully God. He's always forever fully God. But now he's always also forever fully human. After Jesus rose from the dead, he made appearances to his disciples. And as he stepped out of that grave and God resurrected from him from the dead, he had a new body, a new eternal, glorious body. And it was so unbelievable to his disciples that he had to spend significant time proving to them who he was, that he was in fact the risen Jesus. For 40 days, he did this. And even after 40 days, some were still skeptical of who he was. But one of the things that he used to prove who he was were his scars. Look at the scars in my hands. Look at the scars in my feet. Look at the scars in my side. Even after being resurrected and exalted and glorified, 
he still wore his scars. Now, one of the things that you and I expect is that when we get to heaven, all of our scars will be gone. We'll have new bodies with no blemishes that will be perfect. All the scars that we picked up in this life, I have a big scar on my right hand. And I expect that in heaven that won't be there. And there will be all other kinds of things that are about me that are fixed, right? They, all those scars will go away. And we talk about there being no scars in heaven, but it's not really true, is it? There will be scars in heaven. It's just that they will live on one person, on his hands, on his feet, on his side. And they will live there forever as a reminder of why we can be there with God. His scars will remain forever and ours will be forever removed. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. And so the question today is, have you called him that? That's the title he uses to identify with you. How have you identified with him? That's the step that you need to take to make sure that you have eternal life. It's to call Jesus by his true name, Son of Man, Son of God, Savior. And when you call him by the right name, you live.